The podcast which you are about to hear is an account of a film about a tragedy which befell a group of five youths. In particular, Sally Hardesty and her annoying-ass brother, Franklin. Enjoy Boo Horror's discussion on one of the most bizarre films in the annals, <laughs> annals of American history, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Welcome to Boo You Whore. My name is Mark. And my name is Michelle. And Michelle, we are talking family today because it's Thanksgiving week. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's so wholesome. Toby Hooper's 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre, ladies and gentlemen. The main cast includes Marilyn Burns, Gunnar Hansen, Edwin Neal, Jim Cito, and John Larroquette as the narrator. And Michelle. What? I think it's about time we get into this 90 second recap. You ready for this? Let's do it. I'm ready. So, there is a body that is desecrated right in the beginning. And you see this dead body put on display. And everyone's like, who did that? And then we cut to a bunch of high school, teenager kind of age kids, maybe college age. But they're actually all 40. And they're in a van. And they're driving... And then they pick up a hitchhiker, which was not a good idea. And he looks really sketchy, but they did it anyway. And he starts freaking out in their car. And they realize he's weird. And so they push him out of the car. But he wipes blood on it because he's given a signal to the family. And so then they're like, oh, I need gas. But then the gas station is conveniently out of gas. And so they're like, oh, we'll go to the family farm and see if we can find something to barter to get some gas. And then they're like, oh, there's some generators over there. They must have gas. Let's go ask those people. And so they go over to the house. And so they go into this house and he's looking around. It's real messy. There's pigs. There's chickens hanging everywhere. It's real dirty. There's feathers everywhere. And then he runs into Leatherface. Leatherface gets scared and he knocks him out and then he puts him away. And then his girlfriend comes in. And he puts her on a hook and then Sally and Jerry and Franklin who is in a wheelchair uh, they're all left and then Jerry goes finding them and he gets hit in the head with a hammer and then he's he's you know put away and now Sally and Franklin are left alone and they're going through the woods looking for them. Sa- uh, Franklin gets sawed by uh, Leatherface and then Sally runs and runs and then she goes back to the gas station and the gas station attendant is one of the members of the family and then he goes back and then there's mayhem at the dinner table and Sally is when it was the, like 10 seconds left I was like there's no way he's gonna do this but you did it <laughs> basically yes mayhem at the dinner table that could mean anything well of course like they start like howling and they're like Woo, let's bring that back people because I love food and I think we should just be in a restaurant and be like Woo. see that's why I'm excited about fajitas I roar for my fajitas <laughs> anyway you know how John Larroquette was paid in, in hot dogs. In hot dogs, yes. <laughs> um, no, with some weed. Him and Toby Hooper were friends, and he happened to be in town. John Larroquette says, he gave me some marijuana or a matchbox or whatever you called it in those days. I walked out of the recording studio and patted him on the backside and said, good luck to you. That is incredible. <laughs> when, you know, the narration happens. I think it is very telling of the time when they refer to a man in the wheelchair as her invalid brother. Yes. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, I know you feel strongly. Fucking Franklin. What is your deal? He literally cries. He does. He cries. He's a grown man just crying through this movie. And he's so damn annoying. And you really don't feel too bad when he gets y- You it. don't. But here's the thing. They were awful to him. Like, okay, they park him on a hill to go pee. And of course, he falls down the hill. And I'm like, really? You think that's the best place? 
place to put him to pee? He falls down the hill and he throws his pee bucket in the air. And it reminded me of when you peed in the Starbucks cup and threw it. (laughs) It's the first thing that came to my mind. I was like, Michelle and Franklin, no wonder you have a soft spot for Franklin. Okay, makes sense now. You both pee in cups. Mark and I were in high school, bored. We were at the park in the middle of the night and I had to pee really, really bad. But I was like, I don't want to go anywhere or go home to pee. And I had a Starbucks cup in my car because I worked there at the time and it was a venti cup and I couldn't just pop a squat. So I was like, Mark, mm-hmm. turn around. I'm going to pee in this Starbucks cup. So I'm peeing and I'm peeing and then it's filling up because I had to go real bad. She filled up that venti cup. So I throw it on the tree and Mark is singing so that he doesn't have to hear me pee. <laughs> what was I singing, Michelle? Oh, the things you can think from Seussical <laughs> because you were in that show. <laughs> oh, the things you can think. <laughs> and I was working the light board. And so you had your ears plugged. You would think I was like committing crime. It was a loud stream. <laughs> and that's all I got to say. And you filled up that whole venti cup. And I dumped it on the tree. It sounded like when the ocean comes up to the shore. That's how that's how much was in that. I had to go. And like, I obviously had to go if I was willing to do that. Okay, Franklin. Anyway, that's the only time I peed in the wild. (laughs) No, but they're awful to him. Like they just like leave him in the car. Okay, yes, I will say yes. They don't really care about Franklin, but apparently he really was annoying. The actor was doing some method acting. That you were going to say he was doing some meth. I was like, yeah, that'd probably make you annoying. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) He was doing some method acting, which none of the actors really understood that he was doing. So it really wasn't too hard for them to act like they were annoyed at him. I couldn't tell if he's. The little brother or older brother or how old he's even supposed to be. He he whines like a little brother. He does. And I think he does a good job at that, like at the whiny part. <laughs> you guys, Mark hates Franklin so much. I just hate his attitude. <laughs> he just has a shitty attitude. And he's just like a little kid. He asks so many questions. Say, you guys think that guy will follow us? Say, oh, man, it's so hot. Oh, it's so hot. Oh, Sally, Sally. <laughs> it's like it's, you know, you'd be complaining oh. if it was hot, too, and you were hungry, and you've got pee all over you, and I just have a softer spot for Franklin, okay? That's fine. You and Franklin can live happily ever after and pee in cups the rest of your lives. <laughs> My favorite part was right in the opening. They had to establish we're in Texas, so let's show a dead armadillo. I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> Apparently, that was a dead armadillo that they found. And then the uh, art director, he went home and taxidermied it so they could use it. But uh, originally, they were going to go with a dead dog on the side of the road. Oh, no. Uh Uh-uh. Not okay. Yes, it was going to open up like in the eye of a dead dog and everything. But then Toby Hooper was like, yeah, dogs are domesticated. It's going to be too unsettling. Mm -hmm. And they did happen to find a dead horse on the side of the road. What? Why? Who has ever seen that? Well, Well, back then, you had to pay the city to come pick up your dead ass animals if you're a farmer oh. so most farmers would just like put them on the side of fill let them decompose kind of a thing so uh that's how the art director actually got a lot of his decoration for the sets mm-hmm. because a lot of the set at the home is dead animal parts i know it was uncomfortable it is it's very uncomfortable they actually had access to a veterinarian who had you know dead animals and they would go pick them up and they would put formaldehyde in these animals to keep them from like decomposing on set but the stink was getting so bad they try to just light them on fire to get rid of them. Oh. So that smell was in the air. That's how you get zombies. Exactly. <laughs> that is how you get zombies, literally. Including the Texas heat. No, 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 no. No, no, no. So I swear this movie is pro-vegan. 
Believe it or not, Guillermo del Toro became a vegetarian because of this movie. Did you know that? Oh, really? I did not know that. He did because they kind of point out like how animalistic it is for humans to kill animals. And like it kind of reversed the roles, you know, it showed people as a victim, Mm -hmm. normally how animals are treated. And so he did become a vegetarian after seeing this film. Wow, interesting. I know, you know, I've been a vegetarian for almost 14 years. It was never an ethical thing when I started. But now, you know, 14 years in, it kind of became one a little bit. It makes me very unsettled to see like all of those animal parts in the movie and now that you tell me it was real it makes sense why it was just so ugh. it makes me hungry i'm just kidding <laughs> see that's the difference between you and me i'm just kidding it doesn't know <laughs> it's obviously very gross and unsettling and just to imagine the heat rotting that meat even further and that's what was going on in set and i feel the formaldehyde made it worse yeah it's crazy it, it didn't even look good because later when they're eating the barbecue it looks like he has a turd hanging out of his mouth well michelle that's supposed to be a dangling a human dingling? Yep. <laughs> that was given to them as Texas barbecue? Yes, because they cook humans. Why it looked like a turd? <laughs> no, if you kind of look at it, it kind of is shaped like one. I mean, obviously, it's very tubular. I thought it was a turd. Oh, dude. Tubular. No wonder Franklin's spinning now. He's like, peh, 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 when he's looking at the blood on the van. Mm. He's like, what? Let me see. What do you ride on the van? Oh, my gosh. See, and that's the thing. Franklin might have been the only one with like a little bit of smarts there. You are right on that. He was asking some real questions. But that's the problem with Franklin. He asked too many questions. And when he was asking the important questions, they just didn't want to hear it. It's true. Let's just shout out these actors, first of all. Basically, first-time actors. Mm -hmm. And Ed Neal is really crazy. He says that he just happened upon the audition. They were like, are you going to audition for the movie? He's like, what movie? Can you act crazy? He was like, oh, yeah, I could act crazy. (laughs) Toby Hooper really liked it and offered him the role. Isn't that crazy, though, by chance? He became an icon in the horror. And he did a great job in that movie. He He really really does him and Jim Sido. Oh, yeah. As the old man, as the cook, the versatility, like he just goes from like a normal acting person to crazy. Look what your brother did to the door. (laughs) I love it. You know, my dad picked up a hitchhiker once with like the whole family in the car. Oh, my goodness. I know. Was she a pretty lady? No, definitely not. So (laughs) this is before my parents got divorced. I was either an infant or not born, but... This is why your parents got divorced. (laughs) I know, it probably was. (laughs) So my mom got in the back with like us and put the hitchhiker in the front seat. And my dad's like... (laughs) Well, I got me a handgun right here, so don't try anything. And I was like, why would you pick up a hitchhiker if you're just going to threaten him? (laughs) Okay, I did want to ask you, though. Would you pick up a hitchhiker? No, I am way too much of a true crime enthusiast. I don't trust anybody. Would you pick one up? If it was like an old lady, yes, I probably would. So I don't like when people eat alone, and I don't like when I see people walking. If I saw Franklin going down the road, I would stop and help him. He'd say, leave me alone. (laughs) I don't know who you are. Sally, she's kidnapping me. Sally. (laughs) Screw Franklin. I don't know. Now I'm starting to hate him. So do you think Leatherface was meant to sound very animalistic? You know, the fact that I am convinced this is a pro-vegan film, I was like, was that on purpose? A lot of the grunts and everything were kind of dubbed over. When he comes in and kills Jerry, that, ah, those are him, like his screams. Oh, okay. And Gunnar Hansen wanted to try like pig noises and everything. And he did originally have some lines. Oh. But he was like, no, Leatherface sounds too rational. Mm. So let's let's cut that. Well, a lot of those noises, I was like, that's the noise that Mark accuses me of making all the time because I'm like I'm just being Leatherface. <laughs> Amanda Bynes is Leatherface. <laughs> yes, yeah, she is. Okay, I did want to say something that um, this is Gunnar Hansen's quote about Leatherface. He says, 
He's the most powerful character in the film physically. He's the most violent of the characters in the film. He's also the most frightened of the characters in the film. And I think the last one, other than Sally, yes, he's one of the most frightened characters of the film because when they all start coming into this house, he's just killing out of fear. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, no, you know, I can't let people see See what they've seen here. And then, yes, so goes out the window and he's looking around Then he sits down and you get that close up view of him through his mask and his teeth and everything. Mm. It's just so beautifully done. Just shot so beautifully. Toby Hooper really knew what he was doing. I agree. And, you know, a lot of people consider this to be kind of the pioneer of slasher films. You know, it came out four years before Halloween. Mm -hmm. He came first and it opened up a whole genre of horror movies. Exactly. They were saying like this kind of was the new genre of American horror cinema. George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead was kind of the kickoff. Yes. You know, it wasn't like Eastern European monsters or anything like that. It was just like things happening here in America. Mm -hmm. And that was even more terrifying. And this is especially terrifying. It's just inbred hillbillies that could literally be out there. And these things do happen. Yeah, this could happen. We got to mention Ed Gein. Oh, yes. Yeah, he's the person this was based on, including Psycho, Buffalo Bill, and... uh, Sons of the Lambs, yeah. He was a farmer in Wisconsin. And that's what Toby Hooper was saying, was like his relatives from Wisconsin when he was a kid would come over and they would tell them tales about the guy who would wear people's skin and would uh, make lampshades of their skin and cover his furniture with their skin uh, and they would terrify Toby Hooper and that was his inspiration for writing this movie. So if you go to Zach Bagan's Haunted Museum in Las Vegas they have like mm-hmm. an Ed Gein room and there's some of the old like tools and then I think he has one of the lampshades or <gasps> something like that of the human Whoa. skin. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've been there. His actual tools? Yes. He has Ed- like he has oh, a whole wow. serial killer room and it looks like a jail cell but it's like paintings that John Wayne Gacy did and you know it's a John Wayne Gacy painting because he put his semen in all of his paint to prove that it's his painting by DNA. Oh, wow. Isn't that wild? Like, what? He painted with his blood also, didn't he? Mm -hmm. And there's a picture of Charles Manson that's made completely in blood and hair. And I'm like, Ugh, that was made in prison. Ew. He has Charles Manson's teeth, too. That's pretty weird. I was also just going to say, and Toby Hooper said he grew up in Texas. And we know those country. The bumpkins? They're so out there and dark and black and flat. Vast. And you feel that, too. Exactly. Especially when she's running, getting her hair caught in the brush. Oh, I can feel that. And she that. really got scratches. She even said during an interview, like, sometimes they had to, like, cover her bruises with makeup because it wasn't well planned out. Jim Saito, when he's hitting her with the broom, he doesn't want to hurt her. Apparently he was doing so many takes that Marilyn Burns was like, Jim, just hit me. Just hit me. And he's like, fine. And he like hits her finally. They finally got some good (laughs) shots of that. uh, It's crazy. Yes, they really didn't take too many precautions. But I think that's why it's so gritty. Mm. Everything they went through, they kind of did go through that to an extent. Yeah. Apparently Gunnar Hansen had to wear the same outfit 17 hours a day for 32 days straight and it was never washed because they were afraid the dye was going to wear off or was going to be lost in dry cleaning. Makes sense. And so he was just stinky and nasty the whole time. And him, including everyone else's body odor in the hot Texas heat, they said the dinner scene took the longest it was about a 27 hour shoot 27 hours the grandpa he was a 19 or 20 year old man and he, they only had three 
face prosthetics for him. So they had to get all this done. So when the sun was out, they covered the windows and it was just baking inside. And so you had the smell of everybody's BO, plus the smell of the rotting meat, plus the smell of the skeleton lamps that were like catching on fire. So you had burning skeleton in the air. Burning skeleton. Yes. People were running outside and throwing up and coming back in to finish the scenes and everything. Yes. Tell me. (laughs) I was very confused by the grandpa's makeup. Is that just not a very good old age makeup or did they put him in a face like Leatherface's face? I just said face so many times. I guess it just depends on what you think a good old face makeup would be, because I think they're trying to go for... He looks embalmed. Like, he's basically dying, but the thrill of the kill and the blood that he sucks gives him that life. And that's when he starts getting like a baby, like he's sucking from his bottle. That just gave me the willies. I don't like that No, It's really creepy. It's really creepy. But I do want to talk about the makeup and the mask. So, Robert Burns was the art director on this, and he created all of the pieces that we see all the dead animal carcasses, all the dead animal furniture with the skeletons. He created all of that. He also created the famous Leatherface mask. And I use a lot of his techniques when I make my masks. Really? Yeah, I do, yeah. In my opinion, his Leatherface mask is the best Leatherface mask throughout the whole franchise. Tom Tavini did the second one. Ah. And he was like, you could tell, like, you know, an artist did that one. And it's not like Leatherface made it his own. Mm -hmm. I love the homemade look to that. It looks just like the dry skin and everything. It looks great. We need to do a mini, a horror short or a short. Short. (laughs) A short art. Short. Short. Three. (laughs) We already discussed that I can't do a horse impression, Michelle. More lips, less vocal. (laughs) Okay, that's it. <laughs> I did want to mention one of my favorite special effects of this film was Franklin's death. Of course it was your favorite. <laughs> but also just because of how it was done. So Leatherface comes up to them and he saws them in his chair. So behind Franklin, there's a crew, including the cast, including, I believe, Marilyn Burns. They take sips of red syrup for fake blood and are spitting it at Gunnar Hansen every time the chainsaw goes down. And when he pulls oh. the chainsaw up, they take another sip. And when he comes back down, they spit it again. That's so simple. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. You know, they made this movie for under 140 grand, which in today's money, it's like 800 grand or something like that. But think of the longevity the movie has and like how much money they've made off of it. That was a darn good investment. (laughs) It was a very good investment. Unfortunately, the actors didn't get hardly anything. You're joking. No. So apparently like the mafia was... What?! Hold up. We got the mafia involved. Mm-hmm. Apparently the mafia was involved with some of the distribution of the film. They were promised like a certain percent of a certain percent. All went to hell from there. What a mess. So the documentaries I gathered a lot of this information from are Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Shocking Truth, and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, A Family Portrait Revisited. And you can watch those on Tubi. I love Tubi. The artistic director actually was one of the only people who took legal action against the movie. Did he win? No, but he he's he's very salty. So watch these documentaries because he's pretty hilarious. At one point, everyone is saying how they reacted when they saw it and how they thought it was great, how they thought it was cool. And it goes to him. He's like, I thought it was pretty bad. I thought it was pretty bad. I like the movie a lot. Um... <laughs> so salty <laughs> about the whole thing. As a production, it was a very abusive production. And you see things you don't want to do, like working 27-hour days just because you didn't have your shit together enough to shoot it all in one day, which you should have known you could if you'd have planned it. So salty. I mean, I would be too, um, especially with 
the film's success. But like I said, Ed Neal is at like every single convention. You know, he's banking. So at least he got that out of it. I, I would love to see Ed Neal in person if he ever came out here. And any of these people I've seen, um, Bill Mosley many times, part two, Texas Chainsaw. Speaking of Texas Chainsaw 2, they asked Gunnar Hansen to be in it, but they didn't want to pay him more than the regular going rate. Ugh. This is the man who you're going to base the franchise off. Come on, give this man what he's worth. Don't fuck with the original. So you already said your favorite kill was Franklin. I'm going to have to go with the girl on the hook because I can feel it. Like and you don't see any of it happen, actually. Uh-huh. Like you don't see the hook go in her because he was trying to get a PG rating. PG? Yes. That's why you don't see any boobies. That's why you don't see any blood. So he had to make us use our imagination, which is scarier. Exactly. It backfired on him, actually, because it got an X rating at first. <laughs> like him just suggesting the gore and the whore. Brilliant. Like he, he tried to hold back so much. It just worked so much in his favor. Okay, so which common horror villain would you put up against Leatherface for a movie such as Freddy vs. Jason? And then there's a part two of the question, which villain do you think Leatherface could beat? And I've already got my answers already, but I want you to go first. It's hard because there's some supernatural villains. Exactly. I'm just like thinking, pick on somebody your own size. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking Jason, Victor Crowley, or Michael Myers. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I guess. I don't know. He could take on anybody. If he took on Freddy, Freddy would be roasting him so much. He'd be like, nice makeup. (laughs) (laughs) well and that's the thing is freddy has a supernatural element where i feel like if leatherface chainsawed him he would just be like oh my arm is gone just kidding not my arm (laughs) exactly (laughs) so yes i think i'm gonna go with leatherface versus michael mine that i came up with that i think he could be in a leatherface versus movie is chucky well, I, I could be Chucky. No, you couldn't. No, you <laughs> I could. couldn't. Anybody, I, uh, in a real world, anybody could be Chucky, Michelle. No. <laughs> you just hold him back. Like in the cartoons, like, you can't reach me. You boo, saw boo, him boo. going flying in the first movie. And he's like, Mer, and goes floating. Oh, I did it again in the mer. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, Mer, you bitch. Mer, mer. <laughs> so he can jump really high. He's so small. <laughs> and like, you can just destroy the doll. And then he's screwed. So I feel Leatherface could beat him with his chainsaw. I don't know. Chucky could get the heart of Dumbala and then transfer his soul into Leatherface. That would be an incredible movie, by the way. Oh my gosh. And we just hear Leatherface like, it's Chucky. That or they just switch bodies. And so then Leatherface (laughs) is actually in Chucky just running around like, and he tries to pick up the chainsaw, but he can't. Yeah. He's like, "Eh, (laughs) it's like SpongeBob. (laughs) His arms fall off. (laughs) Yeah. Leatherface as Chucky, he'd be like going to find like a play school chainsaw that he could actually pick up and use. He would just use a regular handsaw. That's all he could pick up. (laughs) It's going to take a while. (laughs) Okay, if you had to pick someone's face to wear, who are you going to wear? You get anybody in the world, but it's a leather face style. Like, you have to peel it off. So do I want to pick someone I like or someone I don't like? It's up to you. It's whoever you want to wear. My first thought was Miley Cyrus because I love her so much, but I don't want to peel her face off. That's what I was thinking. Okay, I don't know if you had the same thought because you and Miley Cyrus basically have the same teeth. So I was thinking (laughs) I want someone who smiles a lot like me. Same, yeah. But... If I need to go on a different route, because I don't want Miley Cyrus to be faceless. <laughs> that would be weird. That would be unfortunate. In that case, I'm going to pick Anna Kendrick because she got big old teeth like me. And I think she's kind of annoying. So I'll wear Anna Kendrick's face. I think she's pretty. I just I wouldn't care okay. if I had to peel off her face. I like that. Whose I like face that. would you wear? Steve Harvey. 
The mustache too? Oh, of course. I, 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 I kind of just want to take the mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Why Steve Harvey? Just because he smiles a lot? It's not even a question. He has a big smile. No, but then you have to do like the deadpan face when someone says something stupid on like Family Feud. Oh and my just... God. I get to host Family Feud. I didn't know I get to take on their careers as well. <laughs> well, if you're wearing the face, why not? No one's going to notice. So if you did Miley Cyrus, would you put on a blonde wig and then be Hannah Montana? Oh my God, yeah. It's the best of both worlds, Michelle. <laughs> Me and you, Steve Harvey and Miley Cyrus on tour. <laughs> They'd be like, why do Miley Cyrus and Steve Harvey have a podcast? This is so weird. <laughs> you like all my buttons? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really like them. Oh, that's a good one, Michelle. Good job. <laughs> hey, thanks. So I should just take Josh Gad's face. I mean, if you want to look like yourself. Take Josh Gad's or Harvey Gein's face. <laughs> Apparently people just stare at me like... That has to be Josh. <laughs> I think it's because I'm always smiling and people are mm-hmm. like, what are you so fucking happy about? How dare you be happy? <laughs> you also have the same like texture of hair and whatnot. So I'm going to be Steve Harvey. Leave me alone. Okay, Steve Harvey. I'm Miley. I'm Miley Cyrus. I'm going to be a king of comedy. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Family Feud. I'm here with Miley Cyrus. <laughs> hey there, Steve. What's going on? Oh, it's a clown, baby. It's a clown. Oh, that's one of my songs. <laughs> Goofy. Yeah, we are. <laughs> this movie, it's such a classic. Watch this when it's dark. You're going to love it. And watch the documentaries that helped us with our episode today. Definitely. Those give you so much insight and there's so much shit talking and so much drama. Drama. You know I love drama. This movie was really gritty from behind the scenes to on screen. Absolutely. I think the funniest part of this movie was definitely just Franklin's whining. I appreciated the humor that came from his annoyance. I don't think he was going for funny. So him and the hitchhiker both (laughs) (laughs) like was that a big thing in 74? It was. Okay. (laughs) Because they loved doing it and that was like one of my most favorite parts of the movie. That's my honorary mention but I'm sorry the funniest scene in the whole movie is when he's hitting her with the broom. I'm like y'all have got chainsaws y'all have got all these weapons and you're hitting her with a broom and it's not scary. It's not intimidating. And she didn't even fight back. She could have run from that. Like, what's he going to do? Broomer, sweeper to death? I, I don't know. <laughs> that is a good point. She even had a knife in her hand and he whacked it out of her hand. <laughs> exactly. Like, he didn't even whack it that hard. <laughs> You're just giving up now, Sally. Kick him in the balls. Do something. There were so many access to balls kicking and punching. I don't get it. And then she's laughing maniacally at the end. And I'm like, oh, you know why she's laughing maniacally at the end. I'm glad you brought that up because they had finished filming. She was just all dirty and covered in blood she finally got back to her place washed it all off they call her Marilyn we need you to come back we need to film that end scene again no the end scene where I'm covered in fucking blood from head to toe I need to film Uh. that so that was her just really happy and manic and crazy like I'm done with this boo you whore is hosted by Mark Gabaldon and Michelle Tate it is produced and edited by Abby Anderson and if you want to support the show rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and find us on all platforms at Boo You Horror Pod. <laughs> Come on, Franklin! It's gonna be a fun trip! <laughs> If I have any more fun today, I don't think I'm going to be able to take it.